1: Now is the time to try to not reach. It's important to level set and set expectations where you can take them up over time. The market's not looking for a hero to promise something you may or may not be able to deliver. So if you're a company that gives guidance, you should be being realistic.
0: Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. As a public company, building strong relationships with investors is key, particularly in a down market. If anything, your company has to be even more transparent and relentlessly tell its story. That builds trust and that trust is usually rewarded in the valuation of the business. Joining me today on this episode of ICR Industry Reports is managing partner Brad Cohen. At ICR, Brad leads the Real Estate Lodging and prop tech Group, which actually covers a very broad range of industries and companies. A former sell-side analyst and hedge fund manager, Brad has significant experience in understanding what creates and destroys value in those industries, and in this episode, we discuss the trends Brad's seeing across different areas of the practice and what it takes for a company to better communicate under current conditions. Let's enter the arena with Brad Cohen.
1: I guess I, in 2001, I'd given you a, suggested a couple of companies for you to work with, Flowers and uh, another one of Ledecky's spinoffs. And you guys had two of those as clients and suggested maybe I, come on board and, and join and try to find some new clients to, to win some business. So I was at, actually at a hedge fund at that time, having uh, been a former analyst prior to that. And uh, when I came, I think we had three or four clients, and I guess today, right, over 700 clients. So over a, thousand. a lot of growth. Over a thousand. Over a
0: thousand. Crazy. Yeah. You've been doing this for over 20 years. What sectors do you kind of run here at ICR?
1: With a lot of the Partners that I work with uh, run real estate, which can incorporate REITs, C-Corps, oversee business services, uh, which can include some of the staffing companies, some of the uh, electric planes, industrial tech and financial services, including banking and some of the financial services and insurance and insure tech.
0: Yeah, that's a lot. And I would say in the aggregate you know, how many companies is, does that represent? It's got to be over 150, right?
1: Yeah, it's, it's in that range for sure. So we have a you know, dozen strong leaders within each of the groups. So don't do it all myself for sure.
0: For sure. So as we sit here today in early May, a lot going on, you got the war in Ukraine, a lot of macro issues, interest rates, flying, you know, inflation at a 30 or 40 year high and supply chain stuff what area of your practice seems to be doing well under these circumstances and why
1: it's certainly been a tough uh, couple weeks in the market with inflation coming to bear interest rates rising to unprecedented levels where they haven't been since 2009, I think was the last uh, statistic I saw. So there's a lot of resetting that's going on. And given real estate's very interest rate sensitive, it's a sector that's working to reset itself after many years of unprecedented interest rates at almost zero. So we're seeing a reset that's going on. And certainly the more liquid, bigger companies will survive and outperform. And we've seen that through many of these cycles, liquidity is very important. And uh, depending on the sector, what they do.
0: So REITs can kind of trade like a bond sometimes, but it seems like we're in a stock picker's market. I mean, not every REIT is the same, even though you have these big ETFs and things like that. Are there any companies like in that universe that seem to have a portfolio of real estate that's holding up pretty well in this environment?
1: Yeah, I would say you bring up a bond-like company. I'd say on the mortgage reach side, Starwood Property Trust, STWD, run by uh, Barry Sternlich and his team there, trades like a bond. It's had an 8% yield for almost since they've gone public and really varies. It's like clipping a coupon. And it's also extremely liquid. So they compete with companies like Blackstone and others, but it's, it's a company that stands out. So from a mortgagery perspective, they hold paper. Uh, this company does own some properties, but the residential side of its business has been off the charts. And uh, residential REITs that uh, also play in that space have done very well. Companies like AMH, American Homes for Rent, Kimco, which uh, is a last mile focus, and they also have a touch on uh, Resi, Veris Residential, which is transforming into a uh, Resi REIT. Those with inflation going up, you've seen rental increases at unprecedented levels. And that's where these kind of companies will thrive.
0: So Brad, when you look across some of the other sectors beyond REITs, like business services or industrial tech, or whatever. Are companies able to raise money? I mean, are they like making it to the public markets, even though the the IPO window seems to be shut these days?
1: Yeah. You know, business services, we just saw a SPAC price close on Friday and trade up today above $10. EV Air, which was a spin from uh, Embraer, which is a maker of a lot of private planes. They've spun out their electric plane business. and, And that's uh trading up in a world where no deals are really getting done. And I think the backing of a, a major corporation like that for a business that's growth and they spun it off for investors is appreciated. So that's one example. And that's in our business services area. Also on the staffing side, we've seen a, a lot of businesses you know, continue to thrive. There's a huge, as we all know, a huge unemployment rate. And that's a lot of jobs being done. And when we focus a lot on the staffing area, everything from the blue collar side, all the way up to uh, executive and board placement with a lot of the companies we work with.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I always think like, no matter what the market, like really high quality companies can always make it to the public markets. And, you know, it sounds like some of the like pre-revenue and, And much smaller companies with an exciting growth story over the next five to ten years. It's just not the market for those kinds of companies, but the SPAC structure, in my opinion, is here to stay. Number one, and then number two, it's a a viable path to the public markets for really quality companies, right?
1: It is. I think, you know, Obviously, the markets risk off and that'll come back around as things settle out. but uh, some of these businesses will succeed. It's just you know you got to have patience as we've seen. Not a lot of investors and companies show that, but when you do, you tend to be rewarded if it's a good quality company.
0: One of the sectors in Brad's group at ICR is construction, an industry currently facing some obstacles in the form of labor shortages and supply chain issues. I asked Brad how he's seen companies respond to these challenges and what they'll have to do in order to meet their targets in the coming months.
1: Yeah, I think I was reading over the weekend, uh, cost uh, for construction is is up over 20% from a year ago and prices were rising then. And That certainly is backing up and, and going along with rising rates Well. Will cause a backup. We work with a, a large number of building service supply companies, and uh, certainly their products are in great demand. And they can't get a lot of the product uh, given the supply chain. A lot of its product is imported, and uh, that is causing issues. So. It needs to be seen how that plays out, but I think you know what people haven't factored in or just starting to is China's basically not done anything, any work for more than a month. And while everyone should be okay for second quarter, we're already you know deep into it. Third quarter is going to have a huge impact, and we have boats on the water, boats not being unloaded again, and uh, no product being made overseas, and China's is such a big part of that, that supply chain. I don't think that's been factored into all the stocks or as we're seeing the meltdown, maybe it's starting to get factored in and, and we'll have an impact.
0: Yeah. So much for transitory inflation. It sounds like at least in that area, it's something that's going to play out over a period of time. But you know, I think the more we talk here, the more what I hear is there is a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of volatility potentially, not all companies should be painted with the same brush. When things are, you know, like you mentioned, the work stoppage in China and how that might filter through, when you're talking to a CEO of a company and talking about, all right, how are we going to communicate this story? What advice do you have for companies in, in a marketplace like this?
1: I think it depends on the company specifically, but I I think now is the time to try to not reach. It's important to level set and set expectations where you can take them up over time. The market's not looking for a hero to promise something you may or may not be able to deliver. So if you're a company that gives guidance, you should be being realistic. You'll have plenty of time to take that number up. The best thing you can do is make sure you can hit and reach the outlook that you're setting if you give quarterly numbers or your annual numbers. So I think that's first and foremost, being realistic is really important. This is, as I said earlier, a risk-off environment. And then two, don't be afraid to get in front of investors. Share with them the attributes of the business. You know, while investors are trying to to take care of their portfolios, they usually are willing whether to start to meet in person, which we're starting to see happen, or you know, virtual calling it's worth trying to touch base with key investors every quarter and keep your analysts abreast of what's going on.
0: 100%, you know, it's funny, in terms of talking about the future, I always tell, you know, CEOs, it's kind of like no one is gonna buy your stock if they think bad news is coming, you know? So we have a phrase that we've used forever, which is if you're gonna eat blank, don't nibble. And the reality is if, you know, if things are moderating, every investor understands that companies have hiccups or they have things out of their control. You know, you just have to control what you can control, but you should be telling the story. And to your point about guidance and being a hero, I just think if you're gonna be judged by a number, you probably wanna put that out yourself and you don't want any risk in that number. And it may hurt for a day or two once that news comes out. But like you said, it's a reset. And now investors know, hey, the bad news is out. This is a stock that I could really look at. Because at the end of the day, investors want to buy stocks low. And they want to sell them high, right?
1: That's for sure. You know, I think that's exactly right. Sometimes companies forget that people make money up and down in your stock. They're shorts. And if you set an expectation that can't be, be met, Shorts are going to get all over the company until you you perform, and so you can put your own pressure on. You got to remember, public markets go both ways, and so that's another reason to be risk averse.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Are any of your companies doing investor days this year? I always think like when things are volatile and murky like this, it's just great to have like a two hour event and you bring top people out and tell the story and, you know, look, you're not going to get everybody to buy your stock there, but you're on their radar. They get a better understanding of the company, right?
1: We've uh, already had a fair amount. We did a lot virtually last year. You know, what we've learned from the investors community, they'd like to see companies at least every, you know, three years, probably not every year. They don't know that companies have enough to tell them. But this is, you know, given we're coming out of the pandemic, a lot of people haven't had a chance to have an Investor Day. It's a great time to get in front of the investment community. And, you know, one of the things we found really effective prior to that is to do a perception study. And so for many companies, we'll execute a perception study, hear what the investment community is thinking about, what they're looking for. So as you're setting up that Investor Day, it makes it that much more wholesome. So, you know, while it takes, you know, five to six months to plan, In between that, you can get that perception study done and really make it a a holistic day and giving the investors what they're looking for. And you're right, two to three hours of time is a great way to tell your story and get people excited about what you're doing.
0: It seems so easy. As a company, for better or worse, when you take public capital, you're kind of a product to the buy side. and like selling any product, you want to know what buyers think about it. And then you understand what they want to talk about. You understand the misperceptions of, of what might be out there in the marketplace. And you can, you know, spend a couple of hours on something that the buy side wants to learn about versus something that you think is
1: great that might be completely irrelevant to the audience. And that's a major problem. I was just going to say, just on those investor days, it's depth, it's, you know, everyone sees the CEO and CFO. For, so if you can bring in your team and show six to seven layers deep of people executing, that that's what the investment community truly values. And bringing in third-party clients or customers to validate your product or your, your business model, that goes a really long way. So it's another, two other ways to really make those days uh, effective.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point about like third parties, what's totally clear. And I, I think for any management team that's listening to this, when you're doing an earnings call, you know, a lot of it is rear view mirror type stuff. And you just can't possibly give a comprehensive overview of the company and its strategy on a 20 minutes of prepared remarks, or even in a in a one-on-one meeting for 45 minutes. So you can certainly do a good job, but it, it just doesn't give the comprehensive view that you might otherwise so i think it's a time where management teams need to understand this is a stock pickers market and that every smart buy side person is looking for companies that have corrected who've kind of reset expectations and are controlling everything they can control and you know look the buy side's going to make a call what's going on in the ukraine a lot of companies can't can't control that. Interest rates are are the same. One thing I wanted to ask you before we move on is, you know, when you're talking with your companies, particularly in real estate, I think that it's probably worth talking a little bit more than you normally would about the balance sheet. Don't you agree on these calls?
1: Yeah, no question. You know, having a a low levered balance sheet, especially in real estate, is critically important when capital. They're capital intensive businesses. And many of the uh, businesses outside of real estate Debt seems to be well controlled, but companies will be rewarded when they're, you know, that magic number in real estate tends to be five times EBITDA, debt to EBITDA. You know, not many companies are there, but having a six handle, that gives people comfort. And, uh, you know, company trading there or or heading towards that direction is is a good place to play and gives the uh, investment community confidence that you can weather, you know, almost any downturn, as we saw. And there weren't many companies that got upside down even in the Great Recession because they went into it with strong balance sheets. And so that's really leverage can crush a company. And so having the right amount is, is really important. Yeah. And they should bring that up on every call when they communicate. This is absolutely the time to talk about your balance sheet.
0: A big thank you to Brad for coming on the podcast. We certainly covered a lot of ground in the conversation today. Brad's in charge of a big group at ICR that encompasses a lot of different companies and all kinds of industries, but the relationship with investors and the art and science of how you communicate with them cuts across everything. This is Tom Ryan. We'll see you next time back in the arena.